This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. This is your boy Dak from the 410 Gaming Podcast, and when I'm not doing terrible wrestling impersonations, I'm listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. Oh, yeah! You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling, with your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if you're joining us for the first time, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 52. I'm Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. Happy days are here again. We are back discussing what's going on in the world of WWE and pretty much any other wrestling promotion we can get our grubby little hands on, and we're staring down the road to WrestleMania uh, right now. Happy Rusev Day, by the happy way, to Rusev you. Happy Rusev Day to you as well. Uh, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about this week. We got Elimination Chamber coming up next for Raw. Uh, on Raw this week, we had uh, the, some of the last entrants get locked down, some of the stipulations, uh, some other uh, like little, little 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 tidbits about the actual pay per view get locked down. The women's match, the women's elim- Elimination Chamber got uh, got finalized. SmackDown Live, we're still a long way away from Fastlane, but they're starting to make moves and matches for that. We did have a match get made this week. Uh, and then we also had a lot of other stuff going on in NXT, in Ring of Honor, in 205 Live. we got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Yeah, absolutely. But hey, before we get to that, I wanted to let you guys know lots of stuff happening over in the Busted Wide Open discussion group over on Facebook. Come on over and join us. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. We tune in and do some live tweeting during all the shows throughout the week. And if you want to rock some sweet swag for the show, you can head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash store. And don't forget to go to iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Leave us a review. Leave us five stars. Uh, Let us know what you think of the show. Hit the subscribe button. Give us some constructive criticism. We love hearing your feedback and what you think we could do on the show to improve the listening experience for you guys. Well, thanks for that, Ian. Let's get right into the show and talk about the big news. So we're having some uh, developments over on the commentary team uh, at WWE this week. <laughs> yes. This week we had a uh, a meltdown, a challenge. I don't know what you would call it. Booker T uh, recently departing the Monday Night Raw announce desk has called out Corey Graves on his radio show slash podcast and said that Corey Graves is the reason why he is no longer uh, a commentator on Monday Night Raw and has been kicked back to the pre-shows for all the pay-per-views. Uh, and he said that uh, when you mess with his green, you mess with him. And if he finds Corey Graves in the street, he's going to beat him silly. Woo! 
Well, well, Mr. Booker. Uh, in addition, Corey responded uh, with a quote from Sun Tzu saying, uh, uh, let me see if I can quote this correctly. Thus, the expert in battle moves the enemy and is not moved by him. <laughs> uh, after that saying, yes, this is what you think it is. So the war of words between Corey Graves and Booker T has, has begun. Uh, if you watched uh, WWE this week, Corey did throw out some some shade to Booker T on the show, uh, telling Coach the new the new announcer, "Hey, be careful what you say. You'll end up doing morning radio." Uh, a reference to Booker T, and then of course on SmackDown, the New Day in some of their segments in the show uh, threw some references to it, saying uh, they were getting Twitter uh, questions they were answering this week, and and one of the Twitter questions was, uh, "Is Corey Graves better at uh, taking a, a left hook or a right jab?" So yeah, there's, it's uh, it's been going on all week, and it's it's been a lot of fun to watch. Well, the question becomes: Is this a work or is this real? Because when I was first reading this stuff, we were talking about it in the busted wide open discussion group uh, earlier this week. About you know, I was like, oh shit, you know, this is oh look at the shade getting thrown around. But you have to recognize that these are professional entertainers that do this kind of shit for a living. Yeah, I, and, I think I think it's pretty much well. Here's the thing: Sports Illustrated also said today that they're pretty sure it's a work. Uh, I'm convinced it's absolutely a work. <laughs> okay. First of all, if you if you read what Booker T actually said uh, in his quote, he calls out his own show. He names it by name, says it's on Sports Radio 610, uh, you know, calls out Corey Graves to a fight at WrestleMania. Not a match, not a pre-show match, a, a fight, blah, blah, blah. I if, don't want a match. I want a fight. Uh, if, if you look at this, like take a step back, this is very obviously a work and it's and it's also a, a really well done work. It's a very old school work. It's it's one where Booker T gets people to look at, at the thing he's going to be doing mostly, which is his podcast. He's going to get advertising, free advertisement for that. Uh, in addition, Corey Graves gets some additional heel heat on on the shows he's on, on both Raw and SmackDown from this. Uh, it makes Booker's exit uh, give him, uh, it, it, it makes him bigger now because of having this. Um, and anyone who you know, takes Booker's side with this and says, oh, God, that weasel Corey Graves, he's a heel announcer. This absolutely plays to his favor. The whole thing is actually very favorable for both guys. Yeah. So, yeah, this is very, very, to me, very clearly a work and a very, very fun one. Yeah, and I could totally see Corey stepping up and doing this almost as a way of feeling bad that Booker got, you know, exited you know, future endeavored out of that 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 role as just you know, hey, let's do a little side storyline, sure. and I'll promote your show out off the back of and it. And if you listened to them on Raw when they were working together, they very obviously enjoyed working together. Yeah. And Booker has had a history of someone says something sideways to him, and he'll give them the 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 eye. You know what I mean? He'll he'll be like, I can't believe you said that, man, and he'll just play it completely cold straight. And he did that to Corey a few times in the show. There was another. Uh, raw commentary or a WWE commentary show. I remember he was on where I forget who it was, but someone was throwing him shade and, and said that uh, Booker T puts the stink and stink eye and Booker almost jumped him and Corey had to hold him back. You know what I mean? Like, but it's all to me, it all seemed like it was in good yeah. fun. Uh, but it, it, if you listen to, so first of all, let's, let's, let's not cut corners here. Booker T on commentary is ludicrous at best and incomprehensible at worst. Yeah. And Corey did a great job of playing off of that and, and was obviously having a lot of fun with that because he would just he would be spinning off of this ridiculous stuff that Booker T was saying. You could tell they enjoyed each other. Uh, so that right there made me think like even if you know because Corey was playing it like, you know, Booker T, you're so damn ridiculous. 
but it was hard for him to hide how much he was corpsing a lot of the stuff that Booker was saying. So I, to me, I do miss the, the charisma and the character that Booker brings to the commentary, even if he was a terrible commentator. I it was so entertaining. It was so much fun. But you really do prefer Coachman, though? No. Uh, yeah, to me, he, he's he's more vanilla than Michael Cole. He makes Michael Cole look like Neapolitan by by comparison. You you know where I stand. I think they should lock in the same trio for both shows, and that's Phillips, Graves, and Saxton. Yeah, that's where uh, we, I'm at. We have come to the point where where Saxton Saxton is a a, a legitimate choice. And to your point, Graves even does it with Saxton. He does at each other. Well, and and what he does with Saxton is actually like a a form of what JBL was doing with the kind of bullying where it just doesn't, it's not as cringy because... He's not being a dick about it, though. Right. It's Well, he's being a dick, but in a very much more playful way, whereas JBL actually felt like he harbored some like anger and resentment towards Saxton and legitimately wanted to like take him out back and give him a swirly. You know what I mean? Like he, he really did come across that way. And that's because JBL really is a bully and really is an asshole. And Corey Graves is a, you know, from everything that I know, a decent human being, but so he's playing a part and it's, a lot of fun and the way that that Saxton has the way that they finessed it so that they work together they had a great uh, a repartee this week even uh, you know you see it a lot and Saxton has grown into the role a lot too where he was so awkward to begin with and now it's almost like he's playing awkward and it, it's it, it's not as cringy yeah um, uh, going back to coachman though I mean it's it, it I love the coach he's he's a longtime staple of the WWE especially during the attitude era and thereafter so uh, it for me it it feels weird. He I'm not used to his voice yet. I'm not used to anything about him because he is so flat. And yeah. that was the thing is the dynamic between the very flat Michael Cole, the the Healy kind of more sharp and witty uh, uh, Corey Graves, and then there's the bonkers out there Booker T was really fun. Yeah. Now, granted, you weren't getting a lot of the calls right and a lot of the storyline was getting bungled because it was just becoming so incomprehensible through Booker T's mouth. But it was entertaining as hell. And Coachman is not entertaining. He's no. he's uh, he's a straight man. It's like having two play-by-play guys and one color guy. And it, it takes away from the calling of the matches. Yeah, well, to, I mean, to wrap this up, here we are spending the first 10 minutes of our weekly show talking about their work that's going on, which yet further perpetuates the promotion of Booker T's new morning radio show. Which Congratulations, I'm, Booker. Yeah, which, you know what? Well done. Yeah. I'm, I'm more than happy to spend time on it because... That's that's just good sports entertainment. Absolutely. Well, hey, speaking of which, uh, did you hear that Triple H is taking over 205 Live? Yeah, the last two weeks. He, so he is transitioning in some of his guys from NXT and some of his the people that he's been working with uh, to 205 Live. Vince is t- uh, taking a step back. Even though during his press conference, Vince said that he was not going to be taking time off to do the XFL, XFL, it does seem like from the reports we're getting, that he is pulling back on some creative stuff. He was definitely having a hands-on approach to 205 Live. He wanted to make it more character-based, which is where you got a lot of the stuff with Drew Gulak and a, you know, a lot of the uh, character work that you were seeing done by, for instance, Enzo Amore. He yeah. wanted to be centered around characters and not wrestling. And of course, the, you know, it's all started with the, the Cruiserweight Classic, which was all about wrestling, and character was very much secondary. The guys came in, and through their wrestling and through the story of the matches, you got the characters as opposed to being characters first. So if you've been watching 205 the last two weeks, which I think few have. I have uh, not. <laughs> Full disclosure. Uh, yeah. It's, it has definitely, because now what they've done is say, okay, well, we're going to have a tournament for the Cruiserweight uh, Championship. Wonderful. That will end at WrestleMania. Yeah. Oh, so God, now, that's even better. So now it's become... Basically, the Cruiserweight Classic Part 2 almost. 
And this week, especially, we had uh, Hideo Itami versus Roderick Strong and Lince Dorado versus Kalisto. Wait, what's Roderick Strong doing in 205 Live? They called him up for this match, I guess. I don't know if he's sticking around or not. Oh. I, know he, I know he has a match on NXT next week, I believe, for the UK Championship. But the point is, well, and, but here's the thing. He and Hideo had a great match. Lince Dorado and Kalisto had a fantastic lucha match it was the first time Kalisto has actually looked like he knew what he was doing in a long time because someone else could go with him in there in the style that he's the best at it looked great and we didn't have a lot of time spent on it felt like they pulled back on telling the guys hey be safe don't do the high spots do a lot more submissions yeah and they were like no 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 go out there and kick ass the way you did in the cruiserweight classic and it's thank god you know what I mean like hopefully this is this is triple h's fingers in the 205 live the, the thing that I have to, to wonder is, what is the metric for success here? How long is he being given? Because Vince has definitely taken a step back on creative before and then swooped back in. Uh, so how much time does Triple H have with this? Is this something they're going to commit to? Are we getting like through WrestleMania to try and get 205 Live back on track? Uh, this is all stuff I'm wondering, and we we have no idea because we just got this news that there was a transition in the creative team. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm wondering. I have several things that I want to kind of say about this. I think... Hunter has proven himself with NXT. I, I mean, by far, the last two years of NXT has been some of the best wrestling entertainment I've seen in my life. It, the, from the matches to even the the, the small, smaller storylines that they have over there are fantastic. So I'm if there's anybody that can rescue the kind of sports entertainment and mat wrestling that goes on in 205 Live, I do think it's Hunter. I'm, I'm curious more about the GM situation. I want to see how that works out with that recent announcement. Drake Maverick has been doing a great job since since he got announced that I've seen. I, uh, I, there are certainly plenty of NXT superstars that could come up and just completely fill that roster of 205 Live with more superstars that can do those kinds of dynamics thing dynamic things, but I'm, I'm also interested to see what comes out of this. Do we see the same people that are at the top of the 205 Live card now at the end of this tournament in WrestleMania, or do we get some surprises that make it more intriguing? What if Roderick Strong goes all the way to WrestleMania in 205 Live for the for the thing? Which, I, which is not impossible, no. to be honest with you, at this point. And, and here's the thing, is that uh, I can see that happening, um, and in addition, I think that there's one still, there's still one big drawback to 205 Live, and that is that it is still taped after SmackDown. And if, if they had put that match between Hideo and Roderick in NXT, the crowd would have gone insane. Yeah. As it was, the crowd was mostly dead. They got them live for some of these big spots, and the same with Lindsay Dorado and Kalisto, where the audience just couldn't sit still because it was just that good. But they definitely were not as hyped as they would be. And, and as you know, the audience is a big deal. It's a big part of a match. The more excited the audience is, the more exciting the match feels. So they still have that to work against. And hopefully it's hmm. something that... You know, with the Cruiserweight Classic as well, the audience was so hyped that that's it, it made some matches seem more important. Uh, and that's one thing that they're going to be working against because they ha- it has been such a bummer of a brand so far. Um, but I, And I don't know where else they would film it that would help uh, in, in terms of their schedule. Uh, but you know, after SmackDown, it seems like a terrible place to put it. I almost wonder if it's a location thing. I mean, one of the things that's made NXT successful over the years is the road shows that they do, but also the majority of the stuff is filmed at a smaller venue at Full Sail in Orlando. That packs things in tighter. It makes the the ambient noise and the cheering louder, and it's more of your indie scene 
people that are you know scene kids, if you will, for those those kinds of of uh, promotions. Sure, and there's definitely the argument to be made that as much as you can blame creative for screwing up a lot of the NXT call ups, there are some people who just work better on a smaller stage. Yeah, but there is the counter argument that. Triple H at some point has to prove that he can work his style, his style of booking on a larger stage. He can take his guys who not all of them are six foot five monsters and he can put them in a ring and give them storylines and give them matches that will engage a larger crowd uh, like the NXT takeovers. You know what I mean? We've seen with the takeovers that you can get a whole audience going crazy, but is it the same audience that's going to sit around for SmackDown? So he has to that has to be able to communicate to that audience. But it's just a matter of, of how to do it so that it's filmed at a time where that audience will buy in and how to give them storylines the audience will watch and in, engage in. And there's a long way, there's a long road back for 205 Live. Yeah. Hey, one more thing with, since we're talking about this. Let's play out a hypothetical. Vince does kind of step away from creative as a whole. Who steps in? Do you think it's Shane, Stephanie, or does Hunt Triple H kind of overstep the McMahon kids to have kind of full control of the entire of the truck. Well, at this point, Triple H does have the most history and the most experience with booking and running wrestling shows. Not Shane, not Stephanie. They have their particular things they're good at. Yeah. But Triple H is the guy who's got the booking. He has a booking experience. He's got the wrestling experience. So he's the guy who, I mean, not just by my thought, but by all reports, is the guy who'll be taking over creative eventually, whenever that will be. Um, I don't think Vince is making a statement one way or the other, or and I, and trust me, I don't think he's stepping out of creative permanently. Oh by no, any, this by is any purely means. hypothetical speculation on my part. I'm just I'm fantasy playing it out. Well, sure. Well, how does that go down? I, I, I mean, know? I think that it's it's a phasing in thing. I don't think this is all going to be overnight, and I don't think it's going to be consistent. It's not going to be a consistently growing. Triple H uh, uh, booking thing. I think it's going to be one like a little couple steps forward, couple steps back. You know, and we'll just see it happening. Uh, and it also depends on how Vince, how much Vince does get involved in the XFL, what his schedule looks like. I don't. He probably doesn't even know. You know, yeah, and the last, no know. the last point I'll make here is that the reason I wanted to do all of that is because I my thoughts are fully that this is a test for Paul, for Hunter, whatever you want to call him, for Triple H to see. All right, well done with NXT. Uh, let's see what you do with fifteen thousand person arenas and, exactly. and two hundred five live tape shows. Exactly, because it's it's pretty much the same kind of format. It's just a larger venue. Can you keep the seats full with fifteen thousand people instead of five hundred or a thousand people that are at full sale? Exactly, and that's and it's a it's a test by giving him something that is really damaged. Can you fix this? Bingo. Yeah, exactly. So I'm anxious to see how he does. I, you know what? I would absolutely love if Triple H ran WWE. I'm gonna, I'll go out there right now on record and say that I, I think it would be fantastic. I don't know if it would keep a lot of the same goofy, fun sports entertainmenty type of things that Vince is notorious for over his years. The kind of hot shotting that he would do that would make us all lose our minds and do those those kinds of things. That's kind of trademark McMahon stuff, and I, I, I'll be the first one to say I might miss that stuff. But at the same time, it's exciting to, after seeing what, what he's done with NXT and what potentially he could do at 205 Live if you just hand him the reins of the whole truck and go, all right, you proved yourself. Thanks I for would, the last 20 years and good luck. I would rather see a really good War Games match than Braun Strowman pull down a scaffold any day. That's me personally. Okay. And if, uh, and if that's if that's the two options that I have, if I have I don't think Bailey, it's an either or. If I have Bailey, this is your life, or I have, uh, you know the kind of stuff you see in NXT in terms of backstage segments. Yeah. 
man, that's you. a that's an easy choice for me. I think there's room for the first example you gave. I think there's room for both of those things. I think there's room to have the spots with Braun Strowman being perpetuating what he is. is I guess built to I be. guess for me, it's more of having it be relevant in the story as as, as opposed to just a stunt, which is what it end up, ended up being. Frankly, sure. it had no ramifications outside of that one show. So didn't Kane. So I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay. I'm behind Well, Triple now that H. you don't know, let's move on to something that you do know about, and that is Monday Night Raw. Well, we're continuing on down the road of the fast lane over the roadblock to Elimination Chamber. That, that was so that awkward. Was, that, yeah, okay. that was terrible. I'm yes, never, but I'm you are, never you are doing correct. that again. I'm sorry. Yeah, but you better until next week. Exactly. I'm going to call back to you saying that <laughs> we have Elimination Chamber coming up in two weeks. It's the next pay-per-view for Raw. And we have found out this week a couple more of the guys who will be in the men's match. We found out who's going to be in the women's match. And we found out a stipulation this week. Uh, let's go down uh, one by one here. Yeah. First of all, the show opened with a, uh, a Roman Reigns versus Bray Wyatt winner gets in the Elimination Chamber match. This is this is main event kind of caliber of booking here. I was I was like, wow, they're opening with this. Okay, it made sense later in the show because Roman did have two matches sure, this week, sure. uh, and we had to get through you know who all was going to be in here. So, the, and and here's the thing: I'll give credit where credits due. You know, I'm down on Bray Wyatt right now. I'm so bored with Roman Reigns as always, but. Damn, they work well together. Yeah, they do. They really work well together. This was an entertaining match, even though I don't think a single person watching it thought Bray Wyatt was winning this sucker. No. Uh, so uh, well, now that he hasn't won the Rumble, he has to win Elimination Chamber in order to go get that Universal Title shot. So yeah, the, the fix is in, if right. you will, <laughs> if you will. Uh, yeah, so Roman Reigns defeats Bray. This is not surprising at all. Right. Uh, they still looked great in this match. Um, I, I was a little annoyed by this commentary trying to put over Reigns' quote-unquote losing streak when he lost two very, very lopsided matches to The Miz where the entire miz Taraj had to get involved. Yeah. Uh, and they called that a losing streak. And then him being one of the last two guys in the Royal Rumble and then losing to Shinsuke Nakamura. And that's somehow a losing streak too, even though he looked incredibly strong in that match. Uh, so yeah, they're trying to put over that he's been on a downward swing. If that's a downward swing, then relatively speaking, Bray Wyatt has been out to pasture for the last three years. No shit. Just going to throw that out there. But, uh, but yeah, so Reigns goes on here. Um, Matt Hardy comes out to mess with Bray after the end of the match. Uh, so apparently that feud is going forward. Well, I, I actually liked the way that they delivered this. I'll be honest. Uh, it was one of those things where, okay, get done with the match. And then I like surprises which we had a big one on SmackDown we'll talk about later that hashtag out of nowhere. But I like the I like the stuff where they show up and just things continue to happen continuously like that. So And the, one of the big things was this was the first time that I actually felt like the delete thing might be getting back over again. This, this definitely was the first time that Matt Hardy did the delete chant that people actually seem to want to do it with him. And we were in Kansas City, which is typically not that kind of a big of a loud of a no, crowd. We, we, were, we were in Iowa. We were in Des Moines. Oh, you're right. We were uh, in Des Moines. Smackdown was in Kansas We were in Des Moines. City. You're right. Yeah, I, I remember that because Seth was wearing his Iowa's own uh, T-shirt to true. suck up to the hometown crowd. <laughs> but uh, but no, this is the thing is that, you know, that was definitely a good sign. But, you know, just, just because the, the river runs backwards once does not mean that the whole river is not flowing downhill. Listen, uh, listen to Plato over there. I'm just saying, I, I I will need a few more instances of the audience being over with the, the being being uh, the delete chant being over with the audience uh, before I'm convinced that that this hasn't been a bust. I think it's back. 
I don't think it's back yet, and I think that uh, the Bray Wyatt-Matt Hardy feud needs a serious injection of excitement yeah. because right now, uh, uh, <laughs> that's not exciting to me at them, all. Them standing in the ring laughing at each other endlessly is... It's killing me. It was funny at first, and then I just went... <laughs> it was funny. Dude, it stopped, yeah. it stopped being funny by the end of the first segment they did it in. <laughs> True. All right? It went on for so long. I'm like, cool. I'm already over it. Uh, at this point, I mean... We're both calling Roman Reigns to win Elimination Chamber. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's that's kind of <laughs> what I'm thinking. Everything else is secondary. Like, all right, Roman Reigns is going to go win the Elimination Chamber. It's just a matter of how the chips fall. Yep. Aside from that. Uh, another Elimination Chamber match, we had The Miz versus Apollo Crews with Titus Worldwide hanging out by the side. I'm really enjoying the new look of Titus Worldwide with Dana Brooke as their statistician. Yes. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. And frankly, this is... To me, you tell me what you think. I thought this was the best Apollo Crews looked in a match in a long time, even in a losing effort to the Miz, when he, which he lost clean without a, any real interference. Uh, this Apollo looked really good here. I would say the last two weeks he's looked really good. I mean, he, he's pulling out his standing shooting star presses and standing moonsaults, and it's a lot and of a lot of other really really good yes. high energy offense too. This is what made Apollo Cruz Apollo Cruz a couple of years ago when he debuted, and that the reason that he was called up and brought to the division, and then it just it just crashed. I don't know what happened, but. I'm liking the resurgence of Apollo Crews. I've always been high on him as an athlete. I thought he was going to be the new Shelton Benjamin when he took off there for a while. So I, I yeah, give me I, more Apollo Crews. I think that, and this is this is pretty much the. I, I think the common wisdom is that he was called up from NXT too soon without having time to develop a character yeah. or get used to you know establishing his charisma on a on a, an audience of that size. So he didn't really have a lot of presence when he first came out. Yeah. And I think that matches like this where he's able to show off that kind of baby face fire, you know, because he's, he's been working a little bit heel back and forth, depending on what Titus Worldwide is up to. Yeah. Uh, in this match where he felt like he had baby face fire and, uh, you know, a lot of energy, he has a natural charisma that will get him over. And, and it was evident here. And it's the first time they've allowed that to come out. Um, and I frankly hope he gets more chances to do this because, as, as you said, there is no one who can question his athletic acumen. The dude is a beast. Do we know at this point when Samoa Joe is returning to action? Mm, it's going to be around WrestleMania from what I understand. Okay. Like uh, The right reason before. I ask that is I, I still think they're going to... It's either going to be Braun or Samoa Joe. I think they're going to put the Intercontinental title on one of those two. And it, I kind of got a hint to that because Miz being an elimination chamber, I think they're going to give Miz a, champion, a, WWE, or a Universal Championship push after Mania. I can see it coming. It's it, they've got to get past the the Reigns and Lesnar stuff that's inevitable at this point. They have a lot of possibilities with it. I, I'm very I, I have a feeling that it might be Samoa Joe versus Roman Reigns after Mania uh, for the Universal title. Yeah, that, okay. that would make sense to me. But obviously, there's tons of options. I'm tons all of in way. on that. You know, right? That. that sounds well. That sounds good to me too. <laughs> in addition to, <laughs> but but it's it's one of those things where I they have a lot of options, a lot of things they can do with the Miz. He's coming up on a couple of records. He's got a a, a little bit longer till he beats Don Moran. And then he'd have to hold the belt past Mania uh, for a little while to get the all-time record of cumulative uh, of cumulative days holding the belt. Uh, and I don't think he's going to get it on this reign. I guess is what I'm saying. No, I think he'll get the the all-time. He'll get the second on this reign, but he'll get the all-time cumulative days probably on his ninth reign tying Jericho for all-time number of reigns as well. Yeah. So he'll get a lot of uh, a lot of history at once, which would make the most sense. Sure. Uh, that being said, him in the Elimination Chamber match 
makes little sense to me other than having just a body to fill space. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not quite sure why he's, he's in Elimination Chamber. Well, other than they, well, also because they need more heels. Sure, that's a good point as well. But I think the Elimination Chamber has traditionally been you, you stack the deck with your top superstars. Exactly. Uh, on each side. So, so well, I mean, it's, it's, it's become that. It used to be a mid-card thing. Almost like a gladiator sort of thing. Let's let all the gladiators get in and beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. And, you know? So that's that's where I, I think he is at that spot. Uh, he has does have those reigns. I don't think he'll get those records with this reign, but I think he will this he'll get year. The, he'll get the second place, but he won't get the first yeah. uh, and the ninth reign. I think he'll get those later this year. I agree. I think he'll probably lose the title at or before WrestleMania. But I'm like, why aren't we having an Intercontinental Championship defense at Elimination Chamber as well? Do we have enough other, other matches to fill that card? Well, you know, there's another contender for that Intercontinental Championship, and that's Elias. That's another wild card I want to throw in there. Well, he, it, he had a match be. tonight with John Cena. He would be, but he's also in Elimination Chamber. True. And, and with John Cena and Braun Strowman. And as you said, they all had a match this evening uh, to figure out who was going to be the last man entered. And as they said, most of the time, the person that wins the Elimination Chamber is one of the last two. Yep. So it's basically who gets the, 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 the biggest chance to win the thing. And this was... Mm, we have things to talk about with this one. Okay. Braun Strowman versus Cena versus Elias. And most of this match was the two smaller guys trying to figure out a way to put down Braun Strowman. And Braun Strowman just murdering them right and left. Uh, and Cena trying to do his strength spots and that kind of thing. And they ended up giving him an AA on the steps to put him out, and then it was Cena and Elias for a while. What was interesting here was it ended up being Braun Strowman coming back in, murdering John Cena, and then getting kind of uh, rolled out of the ring with, with like a little heel move, and Elias scrambles in and gets the pin on John Cena. So Elias is your last man in the Elimination Chamber, Hmm. But which which makes sense. They they're seen it shouldn't be Cena, it shouldn't be Strowman. They they both need more time in the match to make it for sure. Strowman to make it exciting and for Cena to be the ring general and call the spots uh loudly so that we can all see him doing it. <laughs> right. But uh but here's the thing is that Cena just beat Finn Balor last week. Lean as a whistle. And this week he gets pinned by Elias. That I of, uh, I've seen both sides of that booking, but it definitely initially struck me as what? What are you? What? Well, to, listen, I'll, I'll give you my perspective on it. Unless you're Dana Brooke, the statistician, I had already forgotten that Cena pinned Finn Balor last week. I would, I had already moved on, and I think that might be the more of the kind of fast food mentality that we've gotten into with belts changing hands all the time and constant defenses. And you're just, you're new just storylines and proving Vince's point that uh, his audience has a short attention span. Exactly. exactly. Wins and losses don't matter. Right. Well, they, yep. but, they, but they do. I, Some people think back on this. They think back on who has pinned John Cena. Now that he is, you know, putting everybody over, I think he's been pinned like 10 times in the last 18 weeks or some, something like that. I have to look at my stats again. but Right. We try to make sense of it all and do all this fantasy booking stuff. All of us that have these wrestling podcasts, when none of it really matters because it's all up to Vince doing stuff on a week-by-week basis. Well, but my, I think more my issue is is that it, it once again, it seemed like, and again, I, I argued for why Finn should lose to John Cena last week. Um, and, and John Cena should be in the Elimination Chamber and not Finn, although Finn still has a chance. We'll get to that. But I, it's one of those things where Finn put over Kane to make Kane look good. Now Finn puts over John Cena to, to give John Cena some little bit of mojo back. And it's, it's one of those things where there's been the speculation that Vince is not high on Finn, that Finn to him has an has a upper tier and he's not going to go above that. 
And this seems to be proving that point. Is that I agree Finn with is, him. Finn, well, I disagree with both of you. <laughs> uh, I think that they're they're missing out on what Finn's potential could be. Sure. Um, and and you know, two hundred five live. Maybe oh, stop. With, <laughs> God, like a broken record. Uh, no, here's the thing: is that I think I'm, I have no problem with Elias getting the push, getting the rub from getting a not entirely clean pin on John Cena. It's a clean pin, but you know, obviously Braun helped, right? Uh, so it keeps Braun looking strong. And Elias, obviously, they're very high on him, and they should be. He's got a lot of upside, uh, but at the same time, I feel like this downward push for Finn is leaving a lot of money on the table, and I think they could be handling him a little bit better. Uh, even though he did look strong against Cena last week, it still wasn't. It, it, it's very deflating okay. to see this week after week after week. Um, I, I will say also that the um, you know as big of a Braun Strowman mark as I am, it was a little bit disappointing to see John Cena get the AA on him. Finally, I wanted that to be a thing that nobody could press him or do a fireman's carry of him. I, it, to see that finally take place and to be onto a set of stairs it was a very kind of monster defeating kind of thing, and I, I'm not too sure I agree that that. Was I a would smart agree move. with you if Braun hadn't gotten up two minutes later and power slammed the crap out of John Cena, and then spent the entire time after the match playing to the crowd, which was which was weird to me, by the way, because he 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 gave the power slam to John Cena, he gave the power slam to Elias, and then he went back and did it three or four more times to them. And played the crowd like, you guys want to see us some more? And they were kind of like, I mean, yeah, I guess. They weren't as rabid and What are we going to say to you? No. <laughs> <laughs> A good of point. Course. Good yes, point. Monster. But, but my my point is, is that in, in the past, the crowds have been more rabid to see destruction, right? Yeah. And this crowd was kind of like, I mean, sure. Yeah, destroy them some more. Fine, I guess. And it seemed like Braun was pushing it on them this week. And that felt awkward, and it did go on for a little bit too long. I wonder him. if it's being pushed on him to be doing it to the crowd. Well, they they saw it happen organically a few times, and now they're kind of I think they're pushing it too hard. Okay, that's uh, fair. And and I, I hope that they pull it back a little bit and let him, and they can say, look, you know, do it more if the audience is really into it. But if if not, just put your arms up, roar, and walk away. Well, you were talking about Finn Balor a little bit ago. We're going to have yet another Fatal 4-Way next week with Finn Balor, Apollo Crews, Bray Wyatt, and Matt Hardy. Yeah, the losers of the other matches to get into the Elimination Chamber will all battle to figure out who fills the final space. I like this idea. It's like a, a big, loser's bracket almost. Yeah, it's a big, exciting match with stakes. Like, And I like it. This is good booking. This is when you now have guys who they've all lost their respective matches. You can see a reason to... Uh, to root for them or to, you know, you're invested now in these guys. And frankly, I'm I'm excited about these four guys getting in a ring together. This is an interesting matchup um, and the stakes are good. So I, I and it's hard to think who to pick out of this. I'm not really sure who should win this. It's hard for me to go against Balor uh, in this foursome, but I could certainly see Bray Wyatt getting the push. I could. Here's the thing. I'm actually going to go out on a limb and say Apollo Crews should be the guy to get it. Not just because I just saw him put on a great match where he looked really good, but because I think there's things for Finn Balor to do elsewhere in the card, and I think Matt and Bray will cancel, uh, will cancel each other out. That's fair. Um, so I'm going a little bit out on a limb with that. I, I too, think that Finn Balor is the most obvious front runner for this and he would be great in the elimination chamber match i just feel like there's something else somewhere else in the card for him yeah 
Well, hey, speaking of Elimination Chamber, we have the big milestone, yet another big women's first. We have the Women's Elimination Chamber match that was announced a couple of weeks ago. Kurt Angle comes out and begins to announce who is going to be the the entrance into this first ever Women's Elimination Chamber match. Pretty obvious. Pretty obvious, but it was interrupted by Alexa Bliss, the goddess herself, coming out to basically just mm, stomp all the way down the ramp and how dare you put people against my championship and well, yeah, she rabble, knew, rabble. She knew from last week or the week before whenever they announced that there was going to be a women's elimination chamber that it was going to be for the women's title. Yes. And the women that they put in the match, it's not too surprising. The, the depth chart is not exactly huge in the women's division on Raw and you've only got six women in this match. Sure, but she made a good point where she said it's sexist to make her go up against or to defend her title in that match when the men don't have to do that. The winner of that one gets a qualifier contendership to uh, they get a win they get a match at WrestleMania. Did you just say that was good logic on her part? I, I think it's it's a it's a it's a salient point that's worth discussing. <laughs> all right, let's discuss it. <laughs> so first of all, Kurt made a good comeback to that when she said it's sexist to make me defend my title when the guys are are fighting for a number one contendership. Yep. And Kurt came back and said, okay, well, you know the the men. We just had a triple threat match for the for the men's title at the last pay-per-view. You haven't defended your title since October. Yeah. So mm, maybe you should actually defend it for once. And she was like, well, it's your fault, Kurt. You make the matches. Mm. Right. Right. To which Kurt, instead of having a response, went to the crowd and said, do you guys want to see this match? And, of course, they all went, yay! And Alexa, yeah. Alexa just stomped off. And that was that was the segment. Personally, I, I thought... When Alexa said, you're being sexist, and the whole audience went, ooh, and then Kurt had a good comeback, and it became a very logical argument, that was good stuff. Yes. When... It was when he went to the crowd. It was when he went to the crowd That's that the, where whole he lost thing, me. the whole thing broke down. Agreed. Agreed. But I don't think Alexa made a salient or good point here. I think she made a heel point that was only... She basically pulled the, the sexist card... Uh, as a heel in order to not have to defend her championship. And that's right in line with her character. But the whole point is that it's a dumb point. It's not rel- It's not an accurate point. It's nothing to do with sexism. It has everything to do with her having not defended the damn championship in forever, and she's got to defend it. Sure. I, I get that. That, I'm, that all that back and forth, I get it. But at the same time, you know, it, it is kind of unequal to have one, what's good for the goose is not good enough for the game. It's gander. also unequal to not have her defend it while the men's title has been defended twice. That's fair. But I'm saying that's his fault. But he hasn't booked the matches for the defense. Don't work yourself into a shoot over there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? I'm on Team Alexa here. Hashtag Team Alexa. Oh you guys let God. us know where uh. you stand at BWO Podcast over on Twitter. So what's the women women's elimination chamber match looking like at this point? So right now, uh, you've got Alexa Bliss obviously defending her title. Sure. Uh, Bailey, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Mickey James, and Sasha Banks in this match. So basically all the big... Well, no, not the big guns. The only guns, really, on Monday Night Raw. I think it's. I think who's not in this? Dana Brooke. I think is the only one who's not on the roster. Who's on Monday? Who's not in this match? And Oscar, but she's that's because she's got the the shot at WrestleMania, right? So uh, and Nia Jax is also not in it, and that's because Nia and Oscar have a match at uh, at Elimination at Chamber. Elimination Chamber, right. yeah. Uh, which I believe. Let me see if I can remember this correctly. Kurt said if uh, if Nia wins that match and beats Oscar uh, for the first time ever. Uh, and first time anyone's beat her in WWE, uh, she will be inserted into the title match at WrestleMania as a triple threat. Yep. Make it a triple threat. So nice Ooh, stakes, nice addition of yes. stakes. Uh, I, I I appreciate that. It means that that match has some meaning. 
Uh, so that's that was that was a good idea. Speaking of Asuka, she did have a match this evening uh, on Raw, and that was against Bailey. First, she went after Sasha Banks last week, and had, they had a fantastic match, and she beat Sasha unsurprisingly. This week, I liked how they went into this match where you had Sasha backstage watching herself lose last week over and over and over again on an iPad. Yeah, and then uh, Bailey comes in and goes, "How long are you gonna watch that?" Uh, and then Sasha says, well, you know, as much as I need to, I'm trying to, I think I figured out how to beat Oscar and Bailey goes, well, I got a match with her next. You want to tell me? And Sasha says, no, I'm not going to tell you, <laughs> not giving you my trade secrets. And Bailey gets a little bit miffed by this, but come on, we're besties. Well, here's what I liked about this one. Sasha comes across as being a little, little bit more heelish uh-huh. and Lord knows we all like Sasha heel better than we like Sasha, Sasha face. So this was a good step in that direction. But the line of the whole segment, and there was a little bit of kind of awkward, very obviously scripted acting. The part of the segment that really drove it home was Sasha going, well, what makes you think you can beat Asuka to Bailey? And Bailey said, well, I can beat you. And if I can, if I can beat you, I can beat Asuka. So that was, and, and the whole crowd went, ooh. I went, ooh. Yeah. And, Sasha, oh, and, Sasha, and Sasha went, yeah. <laughs> um, and then Bailey oh. and then Bailey went out and had her match with Oscar, which also was a very good match. Fantastic. Very no, So this is back to back weeks now that Oscar's had fantastic matches with women who have it's arguable whether they that Oscar lifted them up being in these matches or cuz they've kind of just This eh, is the point. Flat. Yeah, this is the point I wanted to get into about these matches is these are some of the best matches we've seen these women have. Now, both of them have had great matches on the main roster. Let's yeah. let's call a spade a spade. But these were definitely like extra exciting and it's possibly that's because Asuka is an exciting figure an exciting character and she does bring that element of I'm a danger but but uh, added electricity to a match Uh, but it's also nice to see these women who we know can wrestle really well get their mojo back and whether that's entirely because of Asuka or not I don't think it's all because of her she definitely plays a part in it Uh, but these women obviously have to bring themselves to the table as well sure sure I think Asuka definitely elevates anyone she's in the ring with, but these women can then rise to her level. Yeah. Uh, absolutely rise. So I, I was particularly happy to see Bailey get that rub this time because, God, she needed it. It's been a long time since I've seen Bailey look like this in the ring. Uh, just the storytelling, the, the wrestling moves, everything was fantastic. Well, hey, you mentioned Nia Jax a little bit ago. She beat up another jobber this week. Great. Uh, I, okay, aren't we past this at this point? Uh, not only a jobber, a 17 year old jobber. She beat, oh, up, she beat up a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so Oscar, break her shoulder. Oscar beats, Oscar beats the childlike Bailey. Naya really beats a child. <laughs> 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 Moving on. All right. Mickey James faced off against Sonya Deville. Uh, yeah, this was actually another good hard hitting match. It, it was, was not on the Hulu version. I thought that was a, that was too bad. This was, I think, the most underrated match of the week. I was very surprised by this. I mean, Mickey's very talented. Sonya, we haven't seen a ton out of yet. This, I, I like this match a lot. Yeah, I didn't get to see it. I didn't watch the, the live version this week. I did watch the Hulu version, so I missed out on this. I'll have to go back and look it up. I have a feeling they watched the Asuka-Sasha match from last week and go and went, man, we can hit each other that hard, too. And they did. So it was, yep. yeah, I recommend checking it out. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it, but, but at the same time, with the exception of... The announcement of the Elimination Chamber, it did feel like a lot of treading water in the women's division this week. There were good matches. They were entertaining matches, but nothing was on the line. It was Asuka's streak on the line against Bailey. We knew Bailey wasn't going to beat the streak on a Monday Night Raw. 
Nia Jax kills a, a teenager in another in a squash match, and it's like, well, we've seen her squash. Why are yeah. we watching this again? And then uh, Mickey and Sonya obviously really had no ramifications other than, hey, by the way, these women are both going to be in the chamber together. You know what I mean? So there wasn't a whole lot of a point to this. Um, and that, then that's too bad, but I don't know how else they would have done it. I don't know what else they could have done to raise the stakes when they've, when they've got two weeks to Elimination Chamber. No, it's just heating up Elimination Chamber um, the, and the people that are going to be in, in that match, in my opinion. Yeah, it was nice to see this many women's matches and women's segments on Monday Night Raw considering that they do have to get us excited for the women's elimination chamber. Well, earlier in the show, we had a segment where JJ went crying to Kurt and saying that he wants to go out and face the bar with with Seth Rollins. Uh, You know, so Kurt agreed finally, but when the time came to actually have the match, JJ was like, "Ah, I don't know if I could do it. I think my tummy aches or something. I don't remember what it was. So what I liked about this was it was initially, it was Seth Rollins and Jason Jordan backstage saying, Jason saying, I'm ready to go. I'm healthy. I'm totally good. And Seth being like, great. I'll see you out there. And all smiles. And they seem like they're back on the same page. And then right before the match, Jason Jordan shows up with Kurt Angle and a couple of doctors and goes, I don't know. I went, I felt kind of weird when I was stretching. And now the doctors see I can't wrestle. And Seth was just like, you got to be kidding me, dude. We just talked about this. Come on. And then now turn- I got to go face the bar by myself again. Well, except he turns around and Roman Reigns just happens to be standing right there and, you know, making making pouty face and, and <laughs> Kurt just kind of nods at them and they nod at him. And now we've got Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins versus the bar. OK, I, and and I I much prefer Roman in a tag in a tag match to just Roman by himself. Yes, this was another again, man, like we've seen this match a million times at this point. Like this, they, these guys have feuded forever. Seth in some incarnation of the shield versus the bar for months and months now. And they still go out there and put on an exciting match. This was fantastic. God, uh, you know, damn it. And, and uh, as down as we've been on Roman Reigns, this is now two matches in one night where he's delivered a good match. Yeah. Well, and the one thing we cannot say about Roman Reigns is that the dude can't work an entertaining match. Yes. He can. He absolutely can. He's awesome. I, I miss him being the hot tag in the shield, and it just it reminded me of, of how good he was coming in as the hot tag. And a lot of his little mannerisms were even very fun in this too. Sure. Like the, you know the Cesaro pointing at him and giving the bar signal with the sideways thumb, and Roman going going oh, yeah, and then imitating the sideways thumb back to him, then turning it into a thumbs down. <laughs> yes, it was like yep. great little stuff like that. You know, it's a much more entertaining, much more loose Roman Reigns. Uh, and of course, at some point in the match, Jason Jordan comes out, tries to quote unquote help them, and ends up getting them disqualified by starting a fight with the bar outside the ring. Great storytelling again. Uh, after the match, Seth is yelling at, at Jason Jordan backstage. Uh, Kurt ends up yelling at Jason Jordan as well, sends him home. Great way to write him off of TV while he's getting his surgery. Which, uh, he actually has had his surgery by the point we're recording this. Uh, he had a, a minorly invasive neck surgery. Um, so we don't know the timetable for him to be back, but uh, I imagine it's not going to be too long. We did also get what, and I posted this in the BWO Facebook group, I got a, a vibe of what felt like a potential Seth Rollins and Kurt Angle story for for uh, for running maybe a Mania match. Did you feel tension between them? Because I didn't. I don't know if I felt the tension between them. Yeah, there, there was a little bit there. Um, it, it just it, I can feel something building there. And maybe I, it, it's a gut feeling, and I don't. It hasn't anywhere begun to develop yet. But there's a gut feeling there that he feels like Seth might be attacking or you know bullying around Jason Jordan. Well, we've been getting on Seth for a while for being kind of a bland, nothing babyface character. Like yeah. there's nothing really to him that's that's 
that's interesting. He's just kind of he's just Seth Rollins, burn it down. Okay. Well, he, he got um, he got his finisher back. He got his finisher back, which is a step in the right direction. And but Stella, Stella's getting her groove back because I think he's coming back, and I think we might see a darker turn to him, especially maybe even if uh, Dean Ambrose were to come back. Well, Dean Ambrose is out until September, so I, I doubt that. I understand we're a ways away from that, a but long I, ways away, and a lot I, can happen. But I did to, to your point. I did like. The aggressiveness he showed after this match with Jason Jordan, calling him a son of a bitch and getting in Kurt's face a little bit and 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 having more of that aggression to him. He it showed another side to his character that he definitely needed, as opposed to, you know, some of the stuff we've seen lately where Roman eliminates him from the Royal Rumble and he just kind of smiles and goes, Oh, that Roman. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I, I liked that. I still feel like there's nothing really to his character. There's nothing really he's just Seth Rollins. <laughs> You know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's, he's, we haven't, we're not playing up him as the architect anymore. They call him the architect and the Kingslayer, but those are meaningless at this point. Yeah. Who cares if he beat Triple H at WrestleMania? It hasn't done anything for his character. Who cares if he's the architect? We don't really get to see him being the planner, the strategist. It never really shows up. You know what I mean? No, There's we need, we need chicken shit architect heel Seth Rollins back that we I had two or three years ago. I don't know about that. <laughs> let's not get, I, let's not I, get I want crazy. that back. I do because that's entertaining as shit. I think to me. They, okay, but I think you're desperately wishing for that because he hasn't brought anything else to the table since. One hundred percent. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I, I think, and that's the thing. I think the only thing that you can think of where he was entertaining, and it just perpetuates the the story that we've had for over the course of this show is that the WWE sucks at building baby faces. So I, I don't know if Seth has that in him. I want to see the kind of stuff, the antics that we used to get into. And I'll say one more thing about this is that I could, I the bar was completely. They look like they could have been anybody in this match. The story of this was Jason Jordan, Roman Reigns, and Seth Rollins in this intermixed. That's, that's thing been the that's disappointing story of this entire feud between yep. them is that the bar basically could be any strong Inter- tag team. Yeah, they're fantastic and they work really well, but they really could have been any other tag team. Yeah. Um, and I mean, thank God it wasn't the Miztourage, which was the original shield, uh, guys they were going to, they were going to face, but that was a good, good choice there. But in addition, you bring up the, the whole Seth Rollins heel thing. I'm getting like nom style flashbacks to half an hour, Seth Rollins heel promos at the top of raw and him running around going demon Kang, demon Kang. No, I don't want that back. I would, I would, I don't mind certain aspects of it. What I'm, what I'm missing I think that Seth Rollins has all the ability to make a babyface character work. I just don't think that he's he's not projecting anything as far as what his character is. He's just kind of being himself. And they always say that, you know, the best wrestling characters are you turned up to 11. And the problem is, is he's himself turned up to like seven and a half. Yeah. And it's just not it's not connecting. And it's nothing to do with WWE not being able to build baby faces. It's Seth Rollins not having that extra oomph and that extra not being able to a fifth gear, you know, not being able to get up there. He's yeah. not getting in that fifth gear of baby faceness. You know what I mean? Like you, you look at, let's say the best baby face currently in the WWE across all rosters has got to be Johnny Gargano in NXT. Okay. I, that's the, definitely the most over baby face. Uh, AJ Styles perhaps too, but he's definitely not working fully baby face. Johnny Gargano is a white meat baby face. But he's coming out there with some serious fire every week with his promos, with his matches. Seth needs to look at that and go, I need to be in that gear because that dude is blowing doors off the place. Right. So, Well, hey, we, we have to talk about the other Raw tag team real quick or two of them. Uh, Balor Club faced off against the Revival and beat them. 
I, so back and forth, back and forth, back and forth for the past three weeks. But we're getting we're getting different iterations of the Balor Club. This week it was Finn Balor and Carl Anderson, and I did I did not think the revival was going to beat Finn Balor in any no. combination in that tag group. Um, the thing that the, the two stories about this that I, I wanted to talk about one, um, the revival seemed to be another. They're they're becoming another Monday Night Raw uh, pseudo jobber tag team doing you know making other teams look good, which is too bad because as we all know, they were one of the best tag teams to ever come out of NXT. And they're not being able to show off the full range of what they can do. But someone who did get to show off a lot more was Carl Anderson, who has not worked face in a match in forever and working opposite Finn and getting a lot of in-ring time. Finn sitting out as a hot tag. Carl was looking great in there. He looked fantastic. He was pulling out some great moves. We have not seen him do, I don't, that I can recall in WWE. Uh, so yeah, good look on Carl Anderson there. Heel Finn Balor, perhaps heel heel uh, Balor Club. It doesn't look that way right now. We were kind of speculating on which way they'd go, and it looks like Finn is turning the 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 club face at this point. Especially the way that they were having Carl wrestle, he was definitely wrestling face. So, I, which I'm fine with because he was he. I mean, I've never seen a crowd that over for uh, that that into Carl Anderson before. Yeah, uh, which I was very happy to see. Well, to close things out here, uh, we talked about 205 Live and what's going on with uh, Triple H and everything, but anything of note out of the cruiserweight division that, that happened on Raw? Yeah, we had a quick cruiserweight match, and basically the whole point was to show off the cruiserweights again, and you had uh, Drake Maverick sitting at commentary and putting over the brand saying, come watch it. It's the same thing we've seen like, time and time again. We have a cruiserweight match that's basically there to advertise 205 Live, and the... Success of that is questionable at this point because I think so many people have tried 205 Live and have been burned, and I don't know if Drake Maverick, as good as he was in this segment, I don't think he's doing anything to really convince people that have already been turned off by it. They're going to have they have an uphill battle. Yeah, my only thing about Drake taking over as the GM is is none of the WWE universe, the, the generics, I will say, know about what's going on outside of the main roster of the WWE. It's hard enough to get them interested in NXT superstars. So bringing somebody in from outside the WWE altogether, I think was a misstep. If I'm being honest, you had so many opportunities to bring in a legacy superstar, such as a Rey Mysterio or any other number of people that would already be familiar and people and would people would pop for this guy. I, I don't know who, I mean, I know of him, but I, I would guess that the majority of the WWE universe really doesn't know who Drake is. No, and they did mention that his name used to be Rockstar Spud. They didn't obviously mention Impact by name, but right. they did mention that you know he has a history. But I, I agree. I think that I don't think that he was the best choice. I think that he will turn out to be a good choice. He's definitely right for the role and has been doing some good things on the 205 Live show in the short time he's been there. Um, as we said last week, though, just given the opportunities that we think they had, obviously we don't know what the deal with Ray Mysterio was. Obviously, he's we we thought at the time he would have been the perfect GM, but you know maybe he can't go on the road anymore. He wants to go actually wrestle while he can still wrestle. Who knows? Bring Vicky Guerrero back. You um, know that could have been fun. You know, I, I can me. I can do without hearing the excuse. Actually, me. go find Naito girl and she could do it. She got Naito. I don't know. No, no, no. I don't. Vicky and her can just go sit in a corner somewhere. (laughs) No, here's the thing is that I think Drake Maverick will look back and say that was a good choice. Just at the time, you know, it's it it doesn't seem like it makes sense right now. I think it will make sense. I think he's he's kind of he's got he's got a good angle that they're taking with him right now as the GM. Uh, But I agree with you. They've it's another uphill battle. They have to fight now. 
Um, and that's and what I, they didn't need. They should not have made it such a big deal they were getting a GM yeah. because it got us all, all excited. And then it was kind of like, a, oh, him? Oh. But I, at the same time, it's only because our expectations were so high with the possibilities that we could have had. So I think it will work out in the end, but it's more about the whole brand having to fight for the, the audience attention. They've got to put the storylines that are going on there on Raw, on SmackDown, like, hey, this week on 205 Live, this happened, or last week on 205 Live, you know, stay tuned. They're kind of doing that, but it needs to be pushed more in terms of things that are exciting that are happening on 205 Live. So they, they, they've got to change the awareness of the show and having a meaningless tag match between the, the Cruiserweights on Monday Night Raw with a guy promoting the show is not the way to do it. True. Totally agree with that. Well, hey, guys, that's our coverage of Monday Night Raw. Let's head over and talk about what went down on SmackDown Live. So this week on SmackDown Live, I am sad to say it was some more of the same. We, def- we had the main feud that has been the main feud for months now, which is Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, AJ Styles, Shane McMahon, and Daniel Bryan, that whole kerfuffle. Uh, we just had more of it again this week. The upside was that what we had in the, in, the, in, the, in the moment was very entertaining. The opening segment was between Shane and Daniel Bryan, with Shane saying, you know, Daniel, I basically have figured out why you're kind of biased towards Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Uh, it's because you're living vicariously through them, and I know you really want to get back into wrestling. And it was a, it was an, in, it was an interesting, tense, uh, well acted uh, for the most part segment, and some ad libbing going on in there, reacting to the crowd, interacting with them. Yeah, I, there was. I a, thought that was really well done. I particularly liked the part where uh, Shane says, "This land of opportunity." We listen to the crowd and what they want, and the entire crowd starts chanting "Rusev Day," and he kind of go, goes. Mm. Duly noted. <laughs> then Daniel Bryan answers when they when he proposes that I've been doing a fantastic job. You should give me a healthy pay raise, <laughs> and everybody starts going yes, yes. And he goes, I hope you duly noted that one as well. It's great, yeah. This was a, <laughs> just fantastic. This was an entertaining segment. However, it also was more of the same, which is the management is is arguing with each other, and AJ Styles comes out and goes, "You guys are screwing up my title reign because you guys not getting along is costing me. It's making my life difficult." And that was the segment. And we already knew from last week that we were going to have a main event: Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn for the number one contendership for AJ Styles' title. So this opening segment really didn't have any ramifications other than to establish once again where everyone's at. And there wasn't really any forward movement in that. It was just a, a very uh, entertaining way to reestablish where everyone was. Yeah, that we've got a long way to go to fast lane, and there's a long way for this story to continue to go. And and we've both been high on this throughout having these kind of long build storylines like this. And I'm still there. I'm still enjoying this to an extent. It's starting to get a little bit, or let me say this: it was starting to get a little bit long in the tooth until they pitted. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens against each other over the last couple of weeks. Well, they're finding new facets to to use to to make you know to to fill out the storyline some more. Yeah. The problem is instead of having like small steps forward every week, I'd like to have at least one interesting twist or two every week. Sure. And there was a twist tonight that happened after the the Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn match, which 
unsurprisingly, was a great match. Of course it was. And it's hard to have a heel versus heel match because no one's got anyone to cheer for. Who cares? It's but, those, when it's those two, who cares? But no, that's exactly what happened yeah. is that the audience didn't know who to cheer for. They just cheered both of them. They're like, this is an awesome match and because it, it was. And they pulled out moves we haven't seen in a while. Uh, Sammy Owens, Sammy Owens, <laughs> Sammy Zanes is through the rings, hurricane, uh, through the ropes, Hurricane Rana. Yep. Um, I'm going to slow down because this match is getting me so excited. I'm losing my words over here. <laughs> well, we're not there yet. We didn't have the match yet. Well, it's, it, well let's talk about it in this, in this part because okay, it, sure. it has to do with that, that main uh, angle, that main uh, storyline. Uh, the, the twist at the end was, of course, AJ Styles is sitting ringside doing commentary. Sammy at one point gets in his face and AJ loses his temper and hits Sammy and uh, causes a DQ. And so we don't have a winner in the match. And he fights both of them. And then so Daniel Bryan comes out and goes, okay, well, then I guess it's a triple threat at Fastlane. Oh, fuck. Okay. So, okay, so we had some small developments. We don't have a number one contender. We have two number one contenders. So there was a movement forward. We're, we're going to now see what the ramifications of are of that going forward. But to me, that's not enough of a twist. That's kind of like a, okay, cool. Well, we got another, what, four weeks, five weeks till Fastlane? I think more than that. Oh, so maybe up to six. So we got to do six weeks of building to a triple threat match. Well, yeah. Fast lane. And that's crazy. But, you know, we did get after. So after the show this week, Shane tweeted out something. So next week, we did have announced on the show that we we're going to have Dolph Ziggler versus Baron Corbin. Now, I don't understand. First of all, this match is bizarre. I don't know what we're doing with Dolph Ziggler. He walked away from the U.S. title, showed up at Royal Rumble, got tossed out, and that's it. And all of a sudden, he's just back fighting Corbin. What? That that's the most Dolph Ziggler booking Dolph Ziggler's ever had. <laughs> okay. That's um, fair. That's a good point. It's just like, we're gonna do something with you. Forget it. You know, it makes no sense. Except now Shane says that match between Ziggler and Corbin is for one of them to be inserted into the title match to make it a fatal four way at Fast Lane. Huh? Which is even more of a what? 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 Unless they give us some major reason why he'd want to insert either of those guys into the title picture, I, I don't, I don't understand that booking at all. Well, there's no way either of those guys win the WWE Championship. I could see Kevin Owens spinning this into Shane continuing to continually trying to, you know, mess with him. Sure, but what does know? what does Dolph Ziggler or Baron Corbin have to do with the Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn feud? Absolutely nothing. What like, do they I, to, this is why it's so out of left field. Like I, what? As we said, there I mean, there is no reason why they should take that title off of AJ Styles when we're staring down Styles Nakamura at WrestleMania. Yeah. Unless they really want to mess with us, have him lose the title and then get it back right before WrestleMania just to mess with us. But please, please, if you are listening WWE, don't do that. Yeah, no. AJ's don't. on a great run right now. Do Let it. him keep it. Keep it on him. It's two fine. more months. It's it'll be fine. It's two more God. months. But why Corbin and or Ziggler? I don't know. Put into this into this feud. Like there's got we got enough moving parts in this as it is. We demand answers, Shane. Well, and why? What's going on with Ziggler? Like that? It just it's the most nonsensical addition to this feud. I can. I, yeah, makes no sense. To me. <laughs> I, I'm speechless. Oh God! Uh, well, my, hey, my notes literally say, "Huh? Why? What? Huh? What? what?" Well, we did actually have a title defense go on on the show tonight, and it was Bobby Roode defending the United States Championship against none other than Rusev Day. So wait, we had a straightforward booking this evening. 
I can't believe it. Kind of. If, if you <laughs> well, don't include all, Aiden English, yeah, I, no, he was he was there, but yeah. you know, it was it was a straightforward match. It was Bobby Roode versus Rusev in a three segment match. I mean, it was a long match. Uh, started well paced, started off slow, and then ended up being really exciting at the end. Uh, Bobby Roode ends up uh, reversing the Rusev bomb or whatever it's called, accolade bomb. Yep, Machka bomb uh, into the glorious DDT for the win, for the clean win, which is. Disappointing to fans of Rusev, sure, but, but keeps that glorious TDT strong, which we need absolutely, to for him. And I don't think it's, it's, I don't think Rusev should have won this. I actually thought it was too early to put Rusev against Bobby Roode because Bobby should not be losing the championship this quickly. But fine, it was a really good match. Rusev is over as hell. So is Bobby Roode. But then out of nowhere, out Randy of Orton nowhere, RKO's the shit out of everybody. I would say it's out of nowhere, but Bobby totally eyeballed him coming in. Oh, no, <laughs> did he? I didn't see that. He gave a big old tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was staring right at him as he was posing. But uh, yeah, Randy Orton comes in out of nowhere. RKO's the crap out of Bobby Roode. RKO's Aiden English. RKO's Rusev. Poses. What? Where are we going with that? Uh, now, okay, now so Randy now, Orton's in the United States Championship picture. Is, I are, guess. We, are we going to get Rude versus Orton at uh, Fastlane? Because I'm not mad at that. I can get behind that. Yeah, that'll I'm not be mad a good at that match. Rusev, uh, yeah, Rusev. I don't know what he's going to do, but yeah, Randy Orton getting in, inserted into the U.S. title picture. I think that's the only logical place for him right now on SmackDown as someone who is a star of his size and popularity. Yeah, and it's the only other major title singles title you have besides the one around AJ Styles' waist. So sure. it, it makes sense for Randy Orton to be involved in this at some point, and what better time than now? Yeah. Although I could see it also being made a three-way, uh, Rusev, Bobby Roode, Randy Orton, although we have had a lot of three-ways for the U.S. title recently, so maybe a one-on-one would be good, but either way, that I'm satisfied with that. Yeah, I'm, I would be fine with Bobby Roode versus Rusev for the championship rematch kind of thing at Fastlane with Randy Orton inserted to make it a triple threat. I'd yep. get behind that. Yeah. That'd be a good or match. Or even a stipulation match with like the tables or ladders or chairs. Sure, but I mean, you Something. know, triple threat rules, no DQ, Aiden English is going to be on the side. That, that that might be a good way to get Rusev over and put the belt it's, on It's him. a good way to get your boy Aiden involved is what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. And, yeah. and put the belt on Rusev Day. Sure. We'll see. I don't see that happening, though. Uh, as, speaking of belts, the other major belt we have on uh, SmackDown is the Women's Championship. Yes. Uh, Charlotte this week had a match against uh, Liv Morgan of the Riot Squad, which was pretty much what you'd expect. It was uh, Liv Morgan getting a little bit of offense in with uh, the distraction from the Riot Squad. And then at the end, Charlotte beating the crap out of her. Uh, and then, Hella figure eight, the or uh, figure four lock, figure yep. eight. What I don't know. Figure yeah, four well, she's gotta, she has to make that look strong. I have a feeling one reason they're putting over the Oscar lock as big as they are in her submission moves, and then uh, Charlotte's submission move is to make them comp, uh, competitive. Yeah, so they both have a, a, a killer finishing move. Um, but uh, yeah, so after the match, this is the only part of this match I thought was noteworthy. Charlotte goes to the announce task and says, "That's one, two more to go." So we, we're going to have a continuing angle where Charlotte's going after members of the Riot Squad. Now, here's the thing. Isn't this what we've been asking for for a while uh, on SmackDown? Which In is, what sense? It, it's one woman having a feud, uh, and so we're following their story, and we're not having every woman on the roster come out for every segment. For every woman's segment, it's not every woman. Yeah. It's a, it's a much smaller uh, one woman. To, to, well, now it's one on three, but it's still it's one woman's fight. Uh, one storyline, right? And the champion getting the shine. I I I, I like yeah. that. I do like that. I also think that it's 
a little simplistic. I, I feel like now I'm arguing both sides of this where now that I'm getting the thing that I asked for, for some reason, it's not blowing my mind the way that it should. Maybe it's because they've done such a terrible job of building up the riot squad, riot squad. as being, <laughs> as being threats. Yeah. Uh, and so there's, no, I don't see any way other than, you know, them ganging up on her or a, a multi, you know, three on one match or two on one match. This is anything other than Charlotte beating up the riot squad. Charlotte is so much larger as, as literally and figuratively in stature, in yeah. stature than any of these three. It's hard to put them in one on one matches against someone of that stature and have it be as entertaining as it could be. I, I just, I Booking these three against the champion feels like bottom to top, and there's there's too much gap in the middle between their their status and their skill level that I just I don't want to see Charlotte feuding with them. I want to see her fighting with a Naomi or a Natalia or whoever the top heels are up there. It feels like too much of a discrepancy. Exactly, and I think that they have to do something next week to bring Charlotte down a peg closer to the Riot Squad's level. I'm not sure what the end game is here, though. Obviously, we do have a long way to the next pay-per-view, so we can tell a lot of story between now and then. I don't know if we're looking at a fatal four-way Riot Squad and Charlotte at the next pay-per-view or if we're going to have another woman inserted into this feud somehow and have a tag match. I don't she know. She hasn't faced Sarah. So here's the thing. My theory on this. She's faced Ruby Riot. She's faced Liv Morgan. I don't think she's faced Sarah Logan. But what yet, she was implying when she was talking to the commentators is that she's got to face all three of them. She's just faced Liv Morgan and she still has to go and face Sarah Logan and Ruby Riot again. Yeah. I think, she's saying. I think she's Sarah gonna, Logan could stand up there with, from a size. She's perspective. the bruiser of the Riot sure. Squad. Sure. She's the enforcer. But my kind point of role. is, but she's still also. I, again, put her next to Charlotte and Charlotte still has so much more cachet than she does. Yeah. So my point is, I don't understand the end game here. I don't see where we're going with this other than, well, okay, Charlotte's going to continue to fight the riot squad. But the problem is, is that alone doesn't really excite me that much. It's not I'm a good like, reflection like, eh. of the women's division on SmackDown live. No, and that's and kind of all we're getting. Yeah. And it's, it's been, I'd say more down than up on the women's division in SmackDown for a while. Yeah. Uh, at least we're not getting, you know, stupid year old angles like we do on raw. Uh, but it's, we're not getting anything that's terribly exciting. Well, I mean, we're Very coming basic. off of what the last six months of Naomi and Natalia of from this, la- this run last summer. So I, the only way it could go is up. I was, I, I was I over like the that moon. Better. I liked Naomi and Natalia better than having than Charlotte having yeah, the Yeah. Cause I never knew who was going to win. That's fair. Okay. I'll, I'll take Charlotte having the belt all day. I just don't. I, I don't think she's facing the right opponents. I think it's right to keep the belt on Charlotte because she is your number one female star. Period. Yeah. But uh, I think that you can give her better opponents. There can be better ways for her to look like a a big star and a champion than having her face off against what basically look like a whole bunch of teenage girls <laughs> fight, fighting a grown woman. Right. Is what it looks like when they do this. Well, hey, over in the tag division on SmackDown Live, we got a lot of stuff happening over here that we got to talk about. So, uh, the Bludgeon Brothers came out and murdered to cut another pair of jobbers. You know, seen it, guys, seen it, seen it over and over again. They continue to build this. I hope it goes somewhere at some point, but we, we might have a- gotten a hint at where this was going to go because as the Bludgeon Brothers were exiting, the Usos stepped in, their music kicks, and they cross paths on the ramps, and we got a little bit of a. Little tension build there, but they were like, "No, no, let's wait." Yeah, Harper, Harper put his his hand on Rowan's chest, saying, "Not now." This wasn't. This was obviously playing off of what happened last week, where the where the Bludgeon Brothers did the same thing to the Usos right. after their their promo with the awful graphic graphics. 
But uh, yeah, so this was, okay, this is fine. We're building towards Bludgeon Brothers and Usos. We got a long way to go. Uh, I'm sick of the Bludgeon Brothers uh, squashing people, whether it's jobbers, local local talent, yep. or whether it's Brizango and Ascension. You know, they've basically been doing the same thing for a while now. We get it. We get it. Well, speaking of them, what are they doing over there? What What is American Alpha 2.0 doing over there with Ascension and, and Brizango? They're not doing what the Usos are doing, which is cutting killer promos. The Usos had a killer promo this week uh, when they came out after the, the Bludgeon Brothers. They they a couple of really good lines in that. I recommend it. I don't want to quote them, but it was a really good one. Basically, them saying, like, we're, we're the best tag team in the division. They are. Um, they, Easily. Yeah, they're, they're not wrong. Where's um, the New Day all in, in all? Oh, they were backstage eating They were backstage pancakes. eating pancakes and being silly and, and, and answering fun of answering j- throwing shade at Booker T. Yeah, <laughs> and also I thought backstage also they were talking about how Kofi was going to be the next world champion and they all loved each other a lot, which I was kind of like, oh, really? That's anytime that you overplay how much guys love each other. I'm always waiting for the, yeah. the, the betrayal to happen. Someone the impending to, break. Someone to coming. get super kicked through a window. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm always waiting for it. Um, <laughs> but no, as far as American Alpha 2.0, uh, which are, who are now, I guess, being called the weapons of tag destruction, or are they just uh, are they trying to get that over? I don't know. They started saying that they had a match against the Ascension this week. In which case, in which match, the Ascension got off more offense than we've seen them get in a long time. They they looked good. Uh, they both had some some good moves and some yeah looked aggressive, uh, but ultimately got they beaten. weren't sitting in the back goofing off with Brizango. Well, they and they weren't getting squashed. Sure. Uh, so it was actually a match. It wasn't a long match, but uh, it was a match. But uh, yeah, I kind of feel like the bloom is off the fashion files rose here. They were not really doing anything with it, and having American Alpha come in and basically saying you guys are goofy, you guys are stupid, no more jokes, and then just kicking the crap out of both teams. Mm, I don't. Uh, that's p- making American Alpha look better after losing to the Usos, uh, but it's kind of murdering Fashion Files and Ascension uh, even more than they already were. Kind of down in the dumps. I'm kind of okay with that though. If if it needs to go, have it go out in part of storyline like this. I, I, you know what? It, as much as I adored Fashion Files, they've stopped writing it the way that they used to. They've stopped presenting it the way that they used Absolutely. to. Absolutely. The the Miami Vice and the Twin Peaks play and all that stuff. There's just no more of that, and it's it now. It's just it feels useless. So I I love seeing the Ascension wrestle and getting some time. I would love to see Fandango and uh, Tyler Breeze wrestle. They're both fantastic in the ring, but this comedy skit gimmick I think might need to go. And this might be what they're doing is allowing American Alpha to be the ones that are ultimately kill it off. So one more thing we have to talk about before we move on from SmackDown Live is they did have another segment where they announced the top ten. Uh, SmackDown superstars, as voted by the other superstars, I, I'm pretty pretty damn sure this is in kayfabe. <laughs> I don't what, think. Why, 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 why are we doing this? What is this for? What's the point? Does it serve? That's my issue with it. Is I I really don't understand the point of this, especially when your list is. Let me let me read it off. Uh, number ten, Ty Dillinger. Of course, because he's right. Because he's ten. Right, and it's haha. We have to keep that joke he, going. He's never going to be on any list ever, except for number ten, which is. <laughs> I, <laughs> Dumb, but also funny. Uh, number nine, Randy Orton. Number eight, Becky Lynch. Number seven, the Usos collectively. Number six, the New Day collectively. Number five, Bobby Roode. Number four, Naomi. Eh. Number three, Shinsuke Nakamura. Number two, Charlotte Flair. And number one, AJ Styles. Notably absent, all of the heels from this list. So obviously very much in kayfabe, which makes it even more so where I'm like, well, what exactly is the point of this list? What... 
Does this have to do with storyline? What is this going to build to? I don't no know. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn on the list. That's what I'm saying. They're heels. Yeah. Right. So no one likes them. So no one's going to vote for them. Mm. What What are you trying to prove with this list? It, this, this is this to me seems like nipples on a grocery bag. Is there a chance that this is a Jericho thing and this is a Jericho list and that they play into that somehow and he comes over to SmackDown? Let me think about that. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to move on from this because really <laughs> there's there's nothing more to say about this other than meh. And what the hell? Uh, so that's the list. Hooray! Congratulations. Let's go talk and about the peasants rejoiced. And the pe- yay. Yay. let's go talk about some noteworthy notes. Well, first off, over in NXT, we got to start out with my boys, Heavy Machinery, that I've been high on since they debuted, facing off again the match we've been seeing since we went to Riverside. Tino Sabatelli and Riddick Moss. I think the only thing interesting about this was the fact that we saw Moss and and, and uh, Sabatelli have a bit of a miscommunication at the end of this. They started to get aggressive with each other. Looks like they might be breaking up. Uh, I'm not sure if that means that Moss will go face because Sabatelli is very obviously the heel of those two. Yep. He gets heat no matter where he goes. He's a, a, a fantastic natural heel. Uh, whereas Moss, to me, has qualities that could go either way. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get a feud between Moss and Sabatelli and Moss is going to get pushed as a face. The fact that they don't really have graphics for coming out means they might not have been thought of as a tag team long term anyway. I agree with that. So I, I, I would be excited to see a Sabatelli Moss program, but uh, you've got to work on Moss as a face first, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and for me, on the counterpoint of that, I think heavy machinery need to be up at the top of the tag division, not down here. Well, um, I think that we've established that some movements made later in the show might make that happen for you. But before we get to that, we have to talk about what happened with Johnny Gargano, yes. who recently lost his uh, five-star match against uh, Andrade Cien Almas. He also recently lost his tag team partner, if I may draw a Not really quite distant so recently, line. but yeah. uh, his tag team partner did, after that five-star match, come out and hit him with a crutch. He bent it around him. Uh, so uh, Gargano came out to address all of that, gave another fire baby face promo that got the crowd super hyped. And at the end, he said, you know what? I've got things to do, but first I want Tommaso Ciampa, you son of a bitch. The whole audience. Bald bastard. Bald bastard. Tommaso Ciampa, but no. Andrade Cien Almas comes out with Zelina Vega, his manager, and he they proceed to tear apart Johnny Gargano, calling him not Johnny Wrestling, but Johnny Loser. Uh, at which point, uh, he's, Johnny's wife comes out. Uh, Candice LeRae comes yep. out and jumps Zelina Vega again. The heels run, get back to the stage. And Johnny Gargano goes, I want my shot again. What was it going to take for me to get my shot again? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll screw it. I'll leave NXT if I lose. We have made a career on the line match. Johnny Gargano versus Andrade Cien Almas. If Johnny loses, he leaves NXT. They didn't say WWE. They, they did said not. NXT. They said NXT. And I went, ah. ah we have a way out of this. Yes. Um, yeah, I... <laughs> I'm not okay, so I'm actually not going to comment on this because I unfortunately I have read what happens. Uh, they've taped all of NXT for the next few weeks. Uh, I, I know what's going to happen here. Okay, so I'm not going to say anything. I have all I, I'm going to say. I is, do not because I, I don't do <laughs> dumb shit like that. Uh, what's love the it. point of ruining your own form of entertainment? Because I'm excited for what I'm about to see. Okay. Uh, also, I didn't know I was going to read it until it was too late, and I was just like, "Damn it!" Okay, that's cool. Uh, but no, here's the thing. This is uh, a f- when's the last time you heard of a career match? Like this is fantastic. It's been a while. It's Ziggler, like somebody somebody did a career match. Oh, it was last- Ziggler yeah. Miz? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Right, loser leaves uh, WWE. Ziggler, yeah. yeah, that's that's a, it's been a while. 
Uh, Ziggler's already going to be back in the elimination chamber. Anyway, don't go down that rabbit hole again. Elimination chamber. He's <laughs> okay. on SmackDown. I'm anyway, sorry. but the point is, is that you Some know, it's it's, oh. a, it's these are always very exciting because the stakes are there. Uh, it makes the matches a little bit more predictable to look at because you have to look at the ramifications that would happen. Uh, but at the same time, it's great. It lends so much more intensity to this feud, and it gives Johnny something to do. Uh, you know, and and Andrade something to do. Like we're we're moving forward with their feud and possibly finally finally putting a cap on it before the next takeover. Yeah. Well, hey, over in the women's division, Shayna Baszler had a backstage interview with several several journalists of the WWE, saying that she's not going to get her rematch because everyone's scared of her. Even Ember getting hurt. Even Ember Moon, who injured, uh, was injured, but still somehow came out for the women's Royal Rumble match. Well, with her arm hanging off by a tendon. Yeah, sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have a question here that I'd like to wait, but we're also going to get a championship match next week. Yeah, apparently Ember didn't take kindly to being told she was scared. So she's like, fine, Shayna, we'll have a rematch next week on NXT. What? Here's my beef with all of this. Look, we had the the Mae Young Classic last year. It came down to Shayna Baszler and Kyrie Sane as one and two. But my question comes down to why is Shayna Baszler getting such a huge push and back-to-back, maybe even to-back, championship opportunities in NXT when she lost the, the final at the Mae Young Classic I think to Kyrie Sane? I think it really comes down to two things. One, I think it has to do with Ember's last major program being against Asuka. And having her go against uh, two major Japanese stars back-to-back might be too much too soon. Fine. I think Shayna sure. Baszler uh, is something new in the championship picture in NXT. Uh, so I, and, and frankly, I think the dynamic works really well between Shayna and Ember. We've already seen the, you know, the Japanese star against Ember. So I think they're holding back on Kyrie for now. They're giving her things to do, whether it's the Royal Rumble or they get a, they had a, pro, a promo video for her this week, basically like, remember Kyrie? She's yeah, still don't around. forget about her. Yeah, so... I have a feeling that we're going to see some more Kyrie in the next few weeks. Uh, and Shane is just there to give us a break between Japanese stars facing Ember. Yeah, I can certainly understand why they would they would probably do that. Hey, also on the show tonight, we had a B- Bianca Belair squash match, which... It was right? a, this is a squash. Right, she, two moves of offense, I think. Two or three moves and yeah, boom, done. Done. And but, there was uh, this weird hand, southpaw handshake thing at the beginning where Bianca didn't let go of her hand. Whatever. Weird. That was great. Great heel stuff. It's a matter of time for this woman. I want to know where Lars Sullivan has been. No one knows. No one knows. His push just got stopped. He he had like a program going with Killian Dane there, and then all of a sudden, poof, disappeared. And apparently, hasn't been seen at the performance center. Uh, this is this is legit. This is not a work. This is people don't know where he is. Um, not literally like he's lost and the cops are looking for him, right. but like. <laughs> But no, like it's, it's it's something where no journalist really has an answer for this. Like there are people have investigated it and they don't know what's going on with Lars Sullivan. If it's a call up situation, like they suddenly t- decided to pull the trigger with him in the middle of a big push or if he got in trouble uh, or if he's quitting or no one knows. And it's mm. alarming because usually if it's a call up situation, they do something else to try to draw attention away from it. Uh, as opposed to just having them disappear off of TV right. and off of all the tapings. That's one thing I don't mind uh, spoiling is he wasn't at these tapings. So he's off TV for a while. Um, huh. So, yeah, I mean, it looked like he was going into a big program, possibly for the championships uh, eventually. So, yeah, yeah definitely going to be keeping the eyes and ears open for what happened to uh, our favorite uh, NXT big man. Yeah. Well, hey, to wrap up NXT, we had a we ended up having it. It's, it would take too long to explain. We ended up having a six man Texas Tornado tag team match between the three members of Undisputed Era 
and the three members of Sanity. God, this was... This developed ugh. over the beginning of the, the show in NXT, but it ultimately culminated in this amazing, crazy, no DQ, old school Texas tornado Just match. Gorgeous I can't chaos. remember the last time I saw one of these. Destruction, guys hitting the crap out of each other. This was a fan, just a great, hard-hitting slobber knocker of a match. Just yep. all kinds of offense and great hero spots and villain spots. And uh, yeah, it was fantastic. Sanity finally gets one over on Undisputed Era. However, it was not for the titles. Correct. So they get their win, but they don't get the gold. Does that make them the number one contenders? When's our next takeover event? Do we have all the way to Mania to go before we could see a, a title defense I could for the see, tag titles? I could see a couple of things coming out of this. I don't think they should keep Sanity going for the tag titles at this point because they've been doing it for too long. Get them in another program. Have a, a fresh blood coming up against Undisputed Era, uh, who I think have established... I mean, they just got a win over Authors of Pain, so this didn't hurt them at all. Right. Uh, especially having it be Killian Dane that... You know, the monster that kind of wiped them out. Hairball. Uh, well, oh, Jesus. Oh. Right? Uh, yeah, if you want to know why Nikki Cross coughs up hairballs, just ask Killian Dane. Uh, so, yeah, so I think the Sanity Undisputed Era angle is done. Uh, but uh, we will see what happens next for them. I'm excited about both these teams, and definitely this is the match of the week for me. Go check this match out. Well, hey, we also had another round of the Mixed Match Challenge this week, and as down as the numbers have been that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, this week they were up. They were up. Maybe people are getting back into it, or there's more excitement, or you know, I don't know what's happening, but the numbers were back up this week, which is funny because it didn't seem to me like to be that big of a match. It was uh, Team Rose Gold, which is uh, Mandy Rose and Gold Dust, who, by the way, they should just always be a team. They, they look, have amazing chemistry. They look fantastic together. It's yep. basically Goldust back with another beautiful blonde, like like Terry Runnels back in the day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yes. it's it just is great, and it's he does the whole like she's my starlet thing. It's fantastic. Like that needs to keep and and she's doing fun stuff like teaching him how to to pose and whatnot. It's great. And then of course you have uh, they were fighting the married team of Naomi and Jimmy Uso. So you can guess who won. Naomi and Jimmy Uso move right. on to the next round. Yeah. Uh, and next week we have Rusev and Lana versus uh, Elias and Bailey. And uh, I personally hope it's Rusev and Lana that move on. Considering how over Rusev is, it would be I think smarter on their part. But yeah, Elias, Elias has is, got a lot of heat. Elias getting a lot of push. Well, he doesn't have any heat. He's got, he's he's got a lot of love coming to him from uh, from backstage. Okay. So I could see Elias and Bailey moving on. Uh, about with Lana, the crowd. Lana what? taking the well. The, yeah, the, the, yes, he's very over with the crowd. Yes, uh, yeah, I could see, I could see Bailey pinning Lana and uh, and that thus protecting Rusev. Correct. So that's my prediction yes. for next week. Well, over on Ring of Honor, uh, it was announced this week that they are going to be launching a streaming service yes. for ten bucks a month. This uh, is awesome. A la WWE Network. Perfect. Yes. All if, of you need to do this. If, if anyone has ever wanted to get in Ring of Honor, now would be the time. They're going to have their whole video library on demand. Uh, they're going to have all their pay-per-views showing live on this streaming service. It will be only on your computer, not uh, uh, anything on like Xbox or PS4 or anything. It's a matter of time before they have an app that just sure. emulates it, similar to the New Japan one on Amazon. Exactly. Right? You know, just get a HDMI cable and plug your computer in that watched on your TV screen. Yeah, this, uh, this is big news. This should have been up at the top of the show, well, but the, I mean, this is this is a big deal, well, and it's, me, it kind of sets a trend that we could see from other promotions as well. True, and Even it's also like NWA. And sure, NWA might be looking at this yep. or Progress or uh, New Japan might be looking at, how the, at the format that the Ring of Honor will be using because they are closely tied. Yeah. Um, Rev Pro, I'd love to see. I don't have. I don't think they've recorded as much stuff, but 
definitely uh, something that other companies could look at or even get involved with Ring of Honor and, be, and jump on board with them. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that they're doing that WWE is not doing at their network, $99.99 gets you the whole year, 20 bucks off. You buy the whole year up front. Ooh. If WWE did that, I'd be dropping a, a big old hundo on them right quick, oh, saving some money. Oh, Just shit. saying. Um, other quick indie news. We do have a couple of big matches that have been announced on the indie scene. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii will be facing Jeff Cobb, our boy Jeff Cobb. <sighs> Uh, over at Ireland's OTT Wrestling Scrapper Mania 4, which will be on May 12th. Uh, there's also a big card for a wrestling promotion I had never heard of before. It's called, I haven't heard of this either. Out of Providence, Rhode Island, it's called What Wrestling, which stands for Wrestling Has a Tomorrow. Okay. <clears throat> right? It's a mouthful. Uh, on the 11th of February, so two days from now, uh, two days from the recording here, three days from the recording we're, we're having right now. Uh, on this big card, you've got such matches as Rachel Ellering versus Tennille Dashwood, also known as Emma from the WWE, one mm-hmm. of her first uh, uh, indie spots. That will have special guest referee Lance Storm. What? Who was actually Emma's trainer. So that, that makes sense. So that should be a, a good match. Uh, Ethan Page and JT Dunn versus Matt Tremont and Tommy freaking Dreamer. What? Getting back out there. Uh, okay. Teddy, Teddy Hart versus AR Fox, who you might remember from the Hell of War match in uh, Lucha Underground. Yes. Uh, and then the last one, which I thought was particularly uh, one I would love to love to see somehow. Martin Stone, also known as NXT's Danny Birch, Whoa. will be facing Bask in His Glory, Keith Lee. Wow. Yeah. Big card over at uh, at What Wrestling. Uh, in other news, we've got. Uh, I have. I've got to say, this was. Uh, this was very nice to see Serena Deeb, who just competed in the uh, May Young Classic and returned to WWE after a, a stint getting herself clean. She will now be a, a coach for the women at the uh, the Performance Center uh, down in Florida. So good for her. Glad to see her back and on her feet and with the WWE. Uh, uh, Sports Illustrated speculated that Jeff Jarrett was the true reason that uh, Matt Hardy's uh, broken gimmick was held up in Impact for so long that Jeff Jarrett was the guy who was trying to convince Impact and Ed Nordholm to hold on to the uh, intellectual property. I believe that. Which makes sense because as soon as he was out with the company, very soon afterwards, the gimmick was released and they decided to let the wrestlers have their own intellectual properties. So that story, at least in theory, checks out. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jeff. Yeah, I hope uh, you're enjoying getting drunk in Canada. Oh, God. What else is going on over in uh, New Japan? Uh, New Japan, we've got uh, New Beginning in Osaka happening on the 10th. Uh, so we'll be talking about that next show. The big matches on that car, which I cannot wait to see. Uh, Will Ospreay versus Hiromu Takahashi finally getting their match on for the junior heavyweight belt. Will he come in as a cat? Uh, I do not know if he'll be coming in as a cat, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that Takahashi will be coming in with a cat. Well, it'll be interesting to see if Daryl actually makes an appearance here or if it will be the Lucha doppelganger that we got at Wrestle Kingdom. Yes, will will Daryl be dressed up in any way? Yes. Or or will uh, Well, we will... weren't sure if that was Daryl. He was wearing a mask. That's so true. It, That's true. You, there's no way to tell. Right. Darlito, if you Darlito, will. Darlito. Yes. yes. So, or, or will Will Osprey have uh, whiskers painted on his face again? Uh in another match, another big match, uh Hiroki Goto will be defending his never open weight belt, which he just won recently from uh, from Suzuki. Suzuki yeah. uh, he'll be defending it against Evil from Los Ingobernables. So another chaos versus Ingobernables match. And uh, that should be a slobber knocker. These guys haven't fought mano a mano singles match in two years. 
So I anticipate Goto retaining, but I could see Evil pulling this off. He had a big year. They're obviously very high on him, and I think Goto might be coming into the part of his career where he puts dudes over. So mm, okay. but I, it would suck to have Goto be such a, a temporary transition champ on the never open way. I'd like to see him retain for a little bit. Uh, the big match of the night, the IWGP heavyweight belt will be defended by Kazuchika Okada against Sonata who I, I'm very surprised is getting a title shot at this point. What, what has he done to earn that really quickly? Because I, I can't remember him climbing that ladder. It's At this point of the year, they don't really earn it. They basically have to get one up on the champ at some point, whether it's beating him down or beating him in a tag match, uh, and then just challenging him. And he has to accept the challenge, and which is what happened. They had a, they had a tag match a few weeks ago back uh, around, I want to say it was uh, New Year's Dash or shortly afterwards. And Sonata beat up Okada afterwards and then challenged him. Uh, and Okada accepted. So, I again, I, I don't think Sonata's winning this. After all the stuff that Okada has been through, right. Kenny Omega and Naito, I cannot see them putting it on Sonata at this point. Unless, but who's left? If, if it's not those two... This is the question. Who the hell else can possibly face Okada at this point? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know who else they have. But I still, like... You know, after going through Kenny and Naito, it's like to put it on Sonata would be such a what the actual hell move. Uh, I don't even know. I don't know if they're going to go that crazy with it. Well, guys, that's our show for this week. Uh, man, lots more going on. We've got a couple more weeks now till Elimination two Chamber. Two weeks. Two weeks Elimination two Chamber. Weeks there uh, from this Sunday and then another, I think, six weeks, if I'm counting right, till we get to Fastlane. So lots going on. Last two big pay-per-views before we get to... WrestleMania. 59 days till WrestleMania as it of is, today. It's hard to believe. And a little moment here is that we started this show last year almost immediately after WrestleMania. And, you know, it was one of those things where we finally sat around and talked about it enough. It was like, okay, enough. Let's do a show. So we're coming up on our one-year anniversary. You guys have been riding riding with us for a long time, and I'm excited about that. Want to plan on doing some special stuff for that. But, again, a couple more uh, pay-per-views to go before we get there. Uh, if you like this show, come on over and hang out with us over in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. Again, lots of fun memes, great discussions. Our good buddy Chuck that listens to the show posts a bunch of old throwback stuff in there that I really enjoy watching and shed a tear every now and then if I'm not lying. Uh, also, you can come follow us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Tune in for some of our live tweeting stuff while the shows are going on. And head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash store to pick up some sweet swag, rock a t-shirt, hoodie, phone case, some stickers, you name it. And you guys know the spiel. Head over to your podcast app of choice and leave us that five-star review. Hit that subscribe, like, and share button. Let everyone else know that you like our podcast, that you listen to us. And if you got someone else that you want to get into wrestling, Let's throw them our way, man. We'd love to have them as part of our show. Leave us some feedback. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what we can improve on, and let us know how we make how we can make the show better for you. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me over on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.